But in general, why do you think homeschooling moms burn out and quit and then decide to send their kids to public school? What do you think is the reason why? Is it a motivation thing or a systems thing? What, what do you think? I love that question. And I've thought about it a lot. Welcome. I'm very excited about today's interview. We have a very special guest, someone who I consider a homeschooling slash life mentor, and that's Dr. Fred Ray Librand. He and his wife, Jody are the creators of independenthomeschool.com, which is a website with lots of different courses. The most popular, I think, with RC families is the writing course, but there are several other great courses on there. And he and his wife homeschooled five children from birth to college, and they truly are a power couple. Between them, they have two BAs, two masters, and one doctorate. He also is a pastor for 25 years and currently is coaching and training business leaders. Now, their overall theme of their content is teaching them to learn how to learn. So thank you so much for being here, for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Erin, I'm excited to be here, especially if you're excited, I'll feed off of it. <laughs> yes, and you really are such a blessing to the homeschool community because you give a lot of content away for free. Now, uh, recently you started doing some live daily videos, so can you talk to us a little bit about what your intent is with those, what things you cover, and just kind of what you're doing right now? Yeah, well, a lot of this has to do, at the time of this taping, we're kind of in the middle of the, uh, probably in the future, the early middle of the coronavirus uh, pandemic challenge, uh, whatever it's, well, however history rakes this, I don't know what it'll be like, but in, in doing that, it seemed like it would be a wise thing to do to begin just daily trying to give a little bit by, uh, you know, turning on a mic and if I can have the technology do it and ad answer questions or talk about something with homeschool, there's just so much of this stuff I've studied and reflected on and had drummed into my head with having five kids, you know, all, all the way to college, uh, as well as teaching at college, teaching in a high school, et cetera. So I just thought it'd be fun to turn on the uh, camera and uh, talk about something that might be relevant uh, on a daily basis. And uh, we'll convert those into podcasts too, but just trying to, you know, get the information out there, especially in this moment when so many people are reconsidering the game. And a lot of people are gonna come over to homeschooling. There are a lot of people doing remote schooling. I wouldn't call that homeschooling. But in that moment, this just seems like an opportunity to kind of serve and uh, promote the cause of developing independent learners. Yes, and you have also a lot of a history, a big archive on your channel with lots of videos as well that people can check out. And are you still blogging? I am. We just put up uh, 10 blogs on the writing course blog and uh, 28 on the uh, uh, independent homeschool blog. So yeah, we're doing that. A lot of these uh, blogs I'm finding, I might do a short video and I've, my son's work with me now. And so he'll, it'll transcribe and he'll clean it up and put it on. So you have a written text, which some people like, and you can have the video listen with some people like. So trying to make everybody happy. Left brainers, right brainers, yes. visual people, word people, 
male, female. We're trying to make everybody happy. <laughs> Great. And so we picked two of your books this month for our house book club. Because I just couldn't pick one. You have so many great books. I had to at least narrow it down to two. So The Absolute Quickest Way to Help Your Child Change. We're going to talk about that one. And The One Success Habit You Can't Do Without. Now, I'm sure you, you probably meant this in a more kind of business organizational way, but I thought this was actually extremely helpful to homeschooling families. What was your intended audience for this one, The One Success Habit? You know, it's... it's uh... Everything that I do, I think, applies everywhere. Today, I was online, and I did a thing on focus, teaching kids to focus. Yes, I saw that. that. Okay. So one of the comments was somebody, they wrote, well, I can use this in business, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, wouldn't everything be that way if it's really useful? Yes. I mean, you know, if it's useful, what would it matter? Business? Um uh, coaching, symphony, arts, creative, it doesn't matter. All this stuff is, if it's principle driven, uh, it's going to apply everywhere. This was especially in my mind, uh, it's really individuals. It probably had a little more of a business focus in my mind, but it's more just for the individual. I know lots of moms have, I've had some of the coolest letters where they read this and, and they write me and say, okay, for the first time in my life, I something cleaned up something or fixed some project that they were mortified about that yes. they haven't been able to do for years. And suddenly they went, Oh, well, this isn't too hard. Yes. So. You really do focus on that common sense approach to everything. Um, and I think we need that more than ever. And so, especially with parenting, like you talk about in the video, you give parents that permission and you give them back the power. And like you said, if it's, if they're good principles, they're going to carry over into all aspects of life because two of your main things here are behaviors are not removed, such as replaced and behaviors have a reason. And you were intending that for children. But again, like you said, I could apply that to my life as well. It just all kind of has that carryover effect. So one of my, one of my good friends, uh, when we wrote this was a veterinarian. And he used to give it to his uh, clients for their dogs, too. <laughs> <laughs> I can see and that. The other most yeah. fun thing is I, I had lots of uh, people that wrote me and, and shared that their kids had found the book and hit it. <laughs> they didn't want their parents. Oh, that's so funny. Like they knew this actually would do something. Yes. Yeah, you could rebrand this into all sorts of titles. And well, and I probably do need to, to update it, but it's not out of date because it's principle driven. It's not like I'm spending a lot of energy with the newest psychological idea about kids or a bunch of cultural thing. I'm right. saying, here's how they work as humans. They work for, you know, zillions of years, thousands, whatever. And they work that way. And once you understand how they work, you can work it. It's really fun. And, and like you said, Karen, it is a principle. So, so here's an example. One of the principles I like to say in business is when two people are in charge, no one's in charge, right? Yes. But that's also true with kids. So when I would put the boys on a project, uh, I had to put somebody in charge of the project or they would all buy and fight and argue and something else. So and true. so if two of them are in charge, nobody's in charge. If you go off and you have two older ones babysitting the younger ones, if you don't put somebody in charge, you'll have a conflict. Yes. Very good. And so I want to go over and ask you how you came up 
with these incredible four questions. The, you call it the four magic questions in the book. What do I see? What do I want to see? How is what I see being encouraged? And how can I encourage what I want to see and discourage everything else? Those, I mean, I can't even tell you how this book has helped me with my parenting and just generally enjoy my children, just really enjoy being around them. And you know, you kind of, you, um, I think you recommended this book to me, didn't you? 12 Rules for Life. Yeah, I did. And one of the principles in there was um, don't let your kids do anything that makes them makes you dislike them, correct? Exactly. So you were ahead you of your time this. here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So can you explain how you came up with those questions? Well, here's the trick. Um, what, what I was going through now in that day and age, I mean, the, the stage I was at then, I was doing a lot of counseling with young families. Mm -hmm. So I had, I was in a massive lot uh, laboratory uh, of, of all this work we were trying to do and trying to make sense of it. And somewhere along the way, uh, maybe it's in my personality, I really, what, what I do is I try to figure out how something works and then work it. So I just want to know how it works. And to do that, what I do, uh, this will sound weird, but if y'all will try this, it'll change your life. And that is to turn off the sound. So like a movie, if you turn off the sound on a movie, what's left? Right. With all this left about this with the coronavirus thing too, like mute, yeah. the, mute the news. Yeah. yeah, all that's left is the actions. And then out of the actions, you can start looking at it and coming up with a, an explanation of what's going on. The movies were silent, you know, originally. Well, I started looking at these, at, these, uh, at our kids and others and counseling. Of course, I was reading and studying. I'd had classes and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But in sitting there looking at it, it, it seems to me that the easier explanation is more than likely right. That goes back to something called Occam's razor. So there's in history, this idea of parsimony, the more complicated you make an explanation, the less likely it is to be true. Yes. So, you know, if you've got a combination of child training, intergenerational sin problems, personality dynamics, they happen to be redhead and too many freckles on the right side of their face. And that's why they have tantrums. That's probably not it. That's a right. little complicated. So, so I basically quit thinking, I just would look at kids and I started thinking maybe this is pretty simple, you know, kind of a what gets rewarded gets done. Maybe kids are interacting in the environment in a way that is encouraging them to behave that way. And so when we started thinking that way, one of the first things I got Jody to do, and, and I did too, but I remember Jody wrestling with this, uh, I, I would say, let's look at the kids and ask, how did I teach you this? How did I teach you this? And, and so then it wasn't on a blame game, but it was looking at the environment to say, why is the child behaving this way from just what's going on, what I've encouraged, discouraged, done, said, or whatever? And so as I played with that, I learned that questions are the way to get to new insights. And so as I played with it, all these questions came together. I found out later from a mentor of mine who actually liked this book, um, a mentor, a, a not particularly uh, religious mentor of mine that did like this book. He said, you know, what you're doing there is what they call a pivot technique, where you find out what something's going some way and you pivot in a new direction. So that's where those questions came from, because all I was doing is, well, what do I see without putting a story on it, without making up what it is? You know, the baby, I have all these examples in the book, uh, the baby. Um, um, 
you know, something like um, you can say, my child is shy. That was, that's a common one people yeah. do. But if you turn the sound off, don't put a story on it and some background commentator, you know, my child hides behind me when meeting someone new. That's actually what you see. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason for that behavior could be any of number of things, something internal to the kid, the environment, the situation, something that happened early on, maybe playing you. I don't know. Maybe I, you, who knows? Right. But learning to look at things more objectively and not impose a story on them is part of the key. And so that's how I started playing with it because it was all about learning how to get a vision for what, I wanted my child to do, to learn, you know, whether it was behavior or politeness or cleaning their room or being helpful or anything. It was all about getting a vision in my head for that behavior and getting the vision in their head. Right. And, and so, you kind of talk about it in this other book. Too. It's about asking the right questions, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So coming up with that right question and this formula right here is so powerful because of that so I yeah, was if, oh if, yeah go if ahead you, if you well the one of the things i say in the book one of my favorite examples is the the power of the right question do, mm-hmm. does this one of the fa- my favorite examples when i first was learning this was uh uh pyrex and how they developed that i don't know if you remember that story but the uh in in developing pyrex yes. one day a vice president was walking through the uh, lab at Cornell or I mean uh, Corel or whatever the name of the company is that did Pyrex. Uh, they walk through the lab and a gl- and a beaker falls and breaks. And the vice president says, "Hey, glass breaks. Can't you do something about that?" Now, out of that came like thirty six ways to keep glass from breaking, six of which were economical. They mm-hmm. could make products out of. If he had asked the question wrong and said, "Why does glass break?" All you'd get is a big treatise on the dynamics, the physics of glass breaking. So when you look at a child and you ask something like, um, why are you misbehaving? That's different than how can I help you behave right? Right. That or like you said, how am I teaching you this? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How, how have I taught you this? Yes. So I was wondering if we could go. Over two examples, probably the ones that are the most challenging for homeschooling parents that probably seem the most difficult for them, and that is cheating and laziness. So let's take cheating. How would you apply the the four magic questions to cheating? Yeah, and, and we I must in full disclosure, we had two of our kids. Well, maybe they all did, but two got caught. Let's say it that way. I think it's it. They all try it once, but like you said, if you just stop it, you know they won't do it anymore. But yes, I think it's a, a probably a natural thing for most. Try to yeah, get so, away with it. So, once. so let's think about it. I mean, you know, hypotheticals are always a little more frustrating to me because it's sort of made up. And right. It's not like real time. Do you do you have a real time example? real-time example one of your kids cheating i can certainly use one of mine but if it's a real live example we can interact with it better i know like you said it happened once and then i made them start the saxon math book all over again and it never happened again (laughs) exactly so so we'll we'll just take that let's say math because that was what we experienced so in saxon math they started sneaking the answers or something like that Right. Right. 
So, so you can ask the question, the first question is, what do I see? And so what, what I see is a child who is sneaking answers in the back of the book. I'm not adding things like it's so scared, it's so frustrated, it's so bad at math or whatever. Mm-hmm. All they're doing is getting answers from the back of the book and copying it onto their page. That's what I see, right? Right. How much more to it, actually. Right. Um, they, you know, I could add when they do it, you know, are they doing it with a cribbage sheet or they're doing it later? They sneak them back in their books. They're, you know, one of them uh, uh, brought a list of answers with them, like under their shirt or something. And they were taking the test together and the others <laughs> called them on it. Yeah. So, so what do I see? So what do I want to see? Well, well, this is where you have to, uh, you know, divorce yourself a little bit from what you're seeing. It's just a matter of vision. And so, so vision, the way I like to think about a vision, uh, is it's a, it's remembering the future you want. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's still an imagination thing. And so you're creating a, a, a picture that you can then go back and remind yourself of. So you're really remembering it, you know? Yeah. So, so when I do that and I think about it is I, you know, you can say, well, I like my child, not sheep. Well, that's fine. But what, what does it look like? What do I want to see? I want to see my child, even if she or he is struggling, really mastering math because they're working through it and they're not cheating. They're showing their work and they're really grabbing the math. I want them to learn the math. That's why cheating's a problem. I didn't want them to make a good grade. I wanted them to learn the math, right? Yes. And so, so getting that clear in mind uh, is creating a contrast, you know? So the contrast is what I see is they're cheating. What I want to see is them learning math, right? Going through right. the process, learning math. So, so when you get that kind of tension, that creative tension uh, in play, you can move to the third question, which is how is what I see being encouraged? Now, this is tricky. Because somehow there's motivation inside the child that that outward activity matches with. So it may not make sense to you to cheat, but it would make sense to them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so when, you, when you look at it that way, what you're trying to do is think through how could this child be interpreting something as worth it? And so I look at it and I go, well, she's got... I'm thinking of Laura in particular. She wouldn't mind me sharing this, I don't think. Um, she uh, she had brothers uh, who were really good at math, older and younger. Um, you know, the youngest had a perfect SAT math score, and the oldest had almost. And wow. then the middle son had not far from that. So there are three of them that were plenty good at math, uh, all surrounding her. So that would be a fair bit of pressure if you're not a math person, which she's not exactly a math person. She's a, I have 1200 names in my phone and I know something about every one of these people I could talk to them about how their life is, what's going on. So she's in marketing, sales and promotion work for the St. Louis Cardinals work for works for Rice University now. So that's her talent, but not math. So that I look at it and I go, okay, the environment um, could be part of the problem so that she in this environment feels a terrible kind of pressure. I, I also thought, you know, maybe we're, we're encouraging, it, encouraging it by pressing 
her too hard to be like, you know, having the same standard for everyone. One of the principles I learned somewhere was you treat all the kids the same by treating each one differently, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to take to heart that sort of thing. So when I, when I look at it and I say, how is it being encouraged? I could say, I can see the pressure. And then if our standards are a pace that everybody's got to do a lesson a day or something, instead of slowing it down for where their skill level is, then we're going to have a problem. So as I looked at that, I'm pretty confident even in that day, that's sort of what we're doing. Plus we were encouraging it by having them check their own math. Yes. <laughs> Whoops. And so, yeah. And so we're adding a temptation to it, right? Yes, it is. Tempting. Yeah. So they're checking their own math. So as a result, we get to, well, how can I encourage what I want to see and discourage everything else? And it turned into, let's get you the number of problems you can do successfully. If it's just a few, that's fine. Let's do a few every day and let's really learn this as far as you know, you can go. And then we started having, it could have been the check with Jody, but I know they're, when they got older, they were allowed to check each other's math. So there was an accountability game. You'd have to get two of them cheating. That's going to be a little hard to do. Yes. Um, right. So, so as I thought that, so as we thought that through, we're going to make the pressure. You don't have to be like your brothers, or whatever. You need to be just measuring what you're learning. That's all that matters. It's not a matter of lessons and books and whatever. It's are you learning uh, doing uh, the problems we have set for you today in a reasonable amount of time, and are you really getting it down? So that's how we did it. And we started adding testing as well, because that would could tell us if they weren't really getting it. That'll show cheating too. I didn't like the test in the early days because we had a child with cerebral palsy, and that kind of made me want to stay away from labeling too soon. Mm -hmm. But by the time 11, 12 came, we started testing. That also caught if people were missing things. Because if you cheat, you're going to miss things. Yeah. So as we put all those pieces together, we just then experimented with it. Uh, I would often write these down, put them in the refrigerator. This is the new plan for math. You got to grade this way, this, that, whatever. But, you know, and let's try it for um, a couple of months. And we're going to set a date in the calendar and sit down and say, how's this working now? So that's the way we do it. And we did start her over on the book. <laughs> the book she had yeah. to learn it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it wasn't just her. It was a, there was a hymn too. <laughs> so that, that's perfect. That's great. Now, the other example I had was laziness, which this one's kind of tricky too, because I mean, and you can understand this with, you know, learning challenges and things. How do you, first of all, how would you know if it's just being lazy, unmotivated, or an issue of, like you said, treating everybody the same by treating them different, where you do have to make some allowances. So how would a parent kind of process all that with the four questions? The end result, obviously, is they want a child going along through the typical homeschooling day, you know, but there could be struggles. So how, how did you approach that? Just keeping kids motivated, and then, you know, also, like you said, treating them the same by treating each one different, if there were any learning challenges? Yeah, it's, it's a really tricky question. I have one mentor, mentor that, that did personality tests and she insisted there was no such thing as laziness. I think that would be an overstatement. But um, <laughs> what she was trying to get at is that when people are motivated, um, they aren't lazy. And I, I've had all the, I've had our kids, one of our particular, one of our children, uh, writes and has written 
several novels, uh, four or five now, and does, does a lot of things, illustrates and pen and ink and draw pen and ink and drawing, et cetera. But I've had on occasion years back, other kids talk about him as being lazy because he wasn't getting the kind of regular job they wanted to get or what he was doing in school or something going on. Right. And I had to point out, I said, you sit down and try to write a few novels. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's not a lazy thing. That's just not a what you like to do thing. Right. And this is part of the problem. We, we can measure it by, you know, there are some people, if you look at them, if people knew how many books I've read, you know, in my lifetime I've read, I counted one time and it was, I don't even believe it, but it's, I have the math. It's well over 5,000 volumes. Wow. And I still read, you know, it's just a thing. So am I lazy? No, I don't think. Uh, in that regard, but there are families that think anybody that sits and read a book is being lazy. I've counseled them because they grew up on a farm. And so work oh. is physical, not yes. mental, right? Right. So we have a little bit of a problem with the definition. Uh, nonetheless, you know, the, the, I don't think the question is so much about if they're lazy or not. It's, it's like, Again, it's when you try to get someone to quit doing something or you have a goal that's a not goal. Right. It's, it's not a goal. It's not a helpful thing. It's just something you're trying to remove. So, you know, for example, if you wanted your son to quit picking on his sister, let's just make up a stereotypical thing. Um, wanting him not to do that could be solved in a number of ways. He could pass away. He could be at the neighbor's. He could be, you know, locked in his room gaming. Uh, he could be uh, uh, outside on a trip. And all those things, he's not bothering his sister. But that's not what you really want. What you really want is for him to be nice to his sister, to be noble and virtuous, to treat her with some respect and be a good brother to her, right? Right. So, so when you think about something like that with laziness, you know, if you look at a child and you see their, what, what would be an example of laziness? Just give me an example that you run um, across. Uh, not wanting to do the full, you know, two page essay or one page essay. Okay, not wanting to do the two or in our context, three or five or six, I don't know, our essays were longer <laughs> by the time they got older. But um, yeah, not wanting to write the essay. Okay, so if we go with what do I see and we don't have, you know, if you say, they're lazy. Well, you're already telling a story. You've got the sound on the TV and some commentator saying, yeah, he's lazy, isn't he? Right. right? Well, all, all I see, if I look at that, is I see someone who is not writing their essay, who resists it. Now, maybe they argue or maybe they're passive or maybe they act like they forget. So somebody that forgets to work on their essay is different than somebody that brays against it. But, but really, I'm seeing that they are not wanting to write their essay. They're not actually writing it. I don't know about want. They're not writing it. Mm -hmm. So if we look at that and say, what do I see? They're not writing it. Well, what do I want to see? What, do, what would you want to see? Front and back, double-spaced. Yeah, you want them writing it, right? Yes. That's what you want. So it's not really a thing about driving out laziness. It's really a matter of how do I build in them the discipline and the actions and the effort that the re assignment requires. Yes, so, exactly so, the right question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you're trying to build discipline and discipline 
uh, I like to uh, describe as itch is when you itch but don't scratch, right? Yes. So, so you have an unction to do one thing, but whatever. I, you know, we wanted our kids to look at a writing assignment and go, oh, I don't feel like doing this. Oh, well. And then you just do it, you know, it's because yes. that's not really relevant. And, and so with parenting, with discipline in their lives, we have to externally impose it mm -hmm. before it gets internalized and they just own it. Yes. You can see this with kids. You'll see all my kids. They did not like yard work. They didn't like cleaning their room. They didn't like doing household maintenance. They didn't like any of that. Uh, they were somewhat slobbish at times. It varied with them. Uh, and lo and behold, they've grown up, gotten married, and have their own kids, and they are meticulous. <laughs> with their homes. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. So somehow there's a reward structure that because they're paying for the house and it's their wooden floor and they don't want to scratch that and they, you get the point. Right? Yes. So actually, I do want to ask you about this. You talk about in the book how, you know, the difference between manipulation and bribing and you know i always think about this with business as well what is the fine line between manipulation and influence right and you talk about in the book and like you're saying right now it's for the benefit of that person that you're doing all these techniques with that's the kind of the the, the line there is it is it just benefiting you as a parent or ultimately benefiting the child to like you say be happy adults that's another thing you frequently say you're not trying to raise like happy children that's good as it right. happens but it's happy adults right exactly we want to raise happy adults that's our goal now so i do yeah i heard you say something today on your live that really made me think because i think in the homeschooling community we hear a lot about well just focus on their strengths focus on their strengths whatever maybe they're the math person or the writing person but you said you know, weaknesses do hold you back. So how do we approach this in homeschooling? Where's that balance? Well, you got two questions or three you've thrown at me. One's on manipulation and one's on... <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Uh -huh. so yes. I've got the sound off. I'm just watching what you're doing. Okay. So <laughs> what would you like me to answer first or try to? Okay. Yes. Your thoughts on that manipulation, bribing, influence okay. all of that so so manipulation with human beings is largely when we use our behavior to force or control someone else's behavior right yes a lot of this has to do with motivation though too because you know i don't know um trying to make somebody's birthday a pleasant experience you could consider that manipulative surprise buying presents they want have a cake or whatever and sometimes it doesn't work. You know, we had one child that whatever we did for a birthday, for their birthday, didn't work. But usually because we were out of state and she wasn't, or he wasn't with her, his friends. And so it was just one of those things. But, you know, let's take motivation. Yes. A baby, a newborn baby, uh, you manipulate them. You put them in bed, you feed them a certain way. They're trying to manipulate you too a little bit. But you're really controlling their environment 100%. And if you don't, they'll die, right? Or get yeah. lost, one of the two. And so what does your motivation even matter there? I should be noble and good, a good mom, a good dad. But the fact is, if you're feeding them to shut them up or feeding them because you love to watch them eat, 
you're still feeding them. So yay team. So I wouldn't put that exactly in a manipulation role because a lot of this is about the level at which the person is at to control their own lives. Right. Yes. And so, so when you look at it that way, the, you know, the nature of trying to influence your kids, I think is one of those graphs that over time your control is diminishing and their responsibilities increasing. It's just constantly doing that. So how your controlling behavior of a five-year-old is going to be different than how you interact with a 12-year-old. And a lot of times parents get this really fouled up. I remember meeting with a couple that had some serious problems with their 16-year-old daughter. And as we talked and met, I finally realized, I said, you know, y'all are the most amazing parents for nine-year-olds. And I explained why. And they had a nine-year-old too. I said, y'all are amazing at nine-year-old. The problem is she's not nine anymore. She's 16. And so you're in much different game with them of inviting them to make choices. You know, it's more of a game of invitation. But m manipulation is really that, you know, do they, does a person have the freedom to say no? So like, it's like selling. So salesmen, saleswomen, sales peeps, uh, these people that won't take no for an answer ever, never, what, never, that's just manipulation because yeah. there's no respect in the game. However, if you know something you have that would really make a difference in their lives, you do want to be persuasive and winsome and try to share with them the benefits, et cetera. And so I think the trick is to what extent are you remove inappropriately removing their ability to make a choice? That's good. So as long as you leave choice in it, manipulation is hardly in play. The rest of it's your own motives. What are you up to? You know, what yes. are you really trying to do? So if we looked at the media these days, we'd both get upset. So let's go. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about one of the that's other things. That's <laughs> manipulation. Bad motives, bad yeah. actions, trying to control the way you think. Yes, so I like that. We're, we're trying to influence, not manipulate. So And, here and as, as your kids get older, Karen, I'm going to tell you this, and yes. for all the listeners, uh, just start using the, understand the nature of inviting. You invite them to do that. Would you like to do this? You're invited to do this. And if they say no, it's a no, right? Right. Don't then turn around and force it. Don't do that with your little kids. I hear this all the time. Do you want to take a bath? <laughs> you just, that's not the thing to say to a three-year-old. You say bath time, right? Yes. Not giving them an option. Do you want to eat this or that? Do you want this or that? I see this all the time. And I just think you people are making your lives really harder hard. than it should be. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They're not ready for, they, they can't handle the responsibility. So, and in your book, you talk about the importance of marriage. The actu actually, you said the, really, the absolute quickest way to help your child change is actually working on your marriage. That's kind of the secret weapon. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about that? Having been married for what, over 35 years, correct? Eight, 38. 38 years. Um, yeah, our, the joke is we had 22 years of bliss and then we met each other. <laughs> It's, it's a Rodney Dangerfield joke. <laughs> so could you talk a little bit about that? Because, you know, with homeschooling families, it can get busy. Mom can get really tired. It's draining, overwhelming at times. You know, you've been there. So can you talk a little bit about that? Why it should never take, uh, your marriage should never take a backseat to such a busy 
family life. Yeah, well, it's not it's not just marriage. It's that it's that relationship. Even a divorced mom and dad that figure out how to get along produces mm -hmm. more health in the children than a couple that battles and fights, even if they're not married. So so there's a there's this relationship between mom and dad, and this is the game. The kids are reacting to it. It's mm -hmm. called a family system. So the way they like to describe this in systems thinking is like a mobile over a child's bed. Yes. So if you pull down one part, it moves the whole thing. Right. So it's not like A causes B. It's A influences B, B influences D, D influences C, C's hitting A, A's hitting he, hitting C back, C's hitting D, B. All these things are interacting. But the leverage in the system is that mom and dad relationship. They're already a family without kids or not. And, and, a, and a healthy mom and dad that love each other and make their relationship the centerpiece of the home gives incredible security to the kids. They're yes. not worried about our mom and dad gonna stay together, that kind of thing. And so when, when Jody and I started making sense of that, we made our marriage the priority. And so we started doing things, crazy things, like the bedroom was not a family room anymore. That was our room. Yes. And the idea was we go in it and we can hide from these people. And then we come out smiling, hopefully, and they think, hey, I'm going to grow up and get me a spouse in one of them bedrooms. I don't know what yeah. it's about, but it looks like a good thing, right? Yes. I remember you talking about how you, you wouldn't let your room be the hangout room, right? Kids weren't allowed to hang in. And if they wanted to come talk to you, they had to knock on the door. And so all those things, right, are really important. Right. Well, and other little things like a church. We, um, before, tended to put the kids between us and corral them, you know? Yes. It's a good safety move. I get it. But then we thought, you know, that's not exactly modeling what we want to do. So we started sitting by each other and putting the kids on either side of them, mixing them up, however you had to do that. Yes. Um, so, so that it made us the centerpiece of the game, right? Uh, so same thing with uh, family meals. Instead of her at one end, me at the other in the adversarial position, it's us beside each other and everybody around, right? Yes, I which like makes that. it very convenient because as they start moving away, you don't have to change seats. You know, <laughs> you know, and it's weird because see, so many of these stories and things from your books and courses, they just really stick with me. I don't know what it is about your presentation exactly. Maybe it's because you do the visual and the audio and everything, but it just really um, sticks with me. You know, it's so disappointing when you read a good book and you think I'm going to apply this to my life, and you even take notes, and then like two months later, you forget about it. But with your books and courses, for example, I still always think about how in your emotions course, you say, what is the story that you're telling yourself in your mind and just change the story? So, I mean, that's something that I, I think about for myself. I remind so my children you, you of it all the, the time. Would you, like, would you like to know the trick? Yes. What's the trick? Okay. So, so the trick is, well, let me give an example. So comedians, okay, mm -hmm. people that are, or people that are funny, right? Yes. So the ones that are funny are not funny to everybody. Not everybody thinks every comic I mean, is yes. funny, you know, so there's that. But what happens is you could be the kind of comic that is trying to figure out how to make the crowd laugh. And I think that's a lot of what goes on with communication. How do I get them to understand it? How do I get them to think about it? And I think that's a bad move. The really good comics 
are sharing things that they think are funny. I like that. That's good. They'd laugh by themselves. Yeah. It's just funny. <laughs> so in my mind, what I'm doing in communication is I'm trying to make sense to me. And then I hope it splashes, you know? Yes. So I'm talking about things that make sense to me. And then I'm trying to share them in a way that hopefully will also make sense to you. A lot of times people don't make sense because they're so busy on the outside with the marketing game. They really haven't thought profoundly about what in the world they're talking about. Right. And I mean that in the kindest possible way. Yes. No, I see it. Yeah, it's true. So let's change gears a little bit. Talking about that, the one success habit. I love how you talked about in this book that there is, there really is no bad system. All systems are effective, effective at reaching whatever outcome they produce. So for moms that feel that whatever it is that they're doing at home is just not working, what would be that first mental step that they need to take to really create a system routine that's going to work for what they want? All right. So this is really important. Systems. Yes. Systems are a combination of things that produce a result. They're working together. It's not exactly linear. It's an interplay. Just, you know, just like when you cook, it's, it's a system. Even though you throw things in order, it's still the combination of heat and moisture and stirring and time, you know, it's this yes. combination of things is producing it. So, so like recipes are a really good example. Um, when you taste the food and it doesn't taste good, what does that tell you? You messed up along the way. <laughs> Probably messed up along the way. Now, if you keep doing it over and over again, you would have a really good system for, for producing something that tastes terrible, right? Yes. So, so it's consistently producing something that tastes terrible. This has happened on occasion. Uh, years ago, I remember Jody, one day we had something and I said, this doesn't taste right. <laughs> and I said, did you follow the recipe? She said, yeah. And so I said, would you get it out? And we started looking at it and Jody, I can, I can tell this story. Jody had, didn't have rice. So she swapped couscous for the rice, right? Potato, yeah. potato, couscous, quinoa, rice, whatever. Just the, it's a grainy thing. You know, yeah. well, it apparently it makes a difference, right? So, yeah. so, so when you look at what's happening and, and you think something's wrong with your system, you're not thinking straight. You have a great system for producing this bad result right? Yes. That's the game. And so once you understand that, you can start fixing the system. And if you want to fix a system or you want to create a new one of any kind, the trick is to start with simplicity. The yes. simpler you can do it, the better, because the environment's going to interact and react with you and you're going to need to adjust it. Yes. It's just good the way it happens. So what we try to do too often is figure out all the steps and have some meticulous sequence, how all this is going to go. And it's, uh, it doesn't allow the learning to happen that happens with systems. So you try a little something and then you see how it goes and then you make an adjustment and you try a little more, see how it goes and you make an adjustment. That's now, the, uh, that's the game. You, you went over all of this, I would say, in your How to Homeschool in 30 Minutes a Day, right? That's the, your course that talks the most about this, about developing systems? 
absolutely in, in the home yeah yeah so so it's a it's an entire co course that shows you how to think about this stuff and then going through real live examples of how we would build a process for different uh, areas yes. you know so one of my favorite examples is my last two children my first three children didn't fight that much because i committed to not raise lawyers i decided i went to law school and decided i didn't want any more lawyers in the family <laughs> so when they would have a conflict i would say y'all work it out i don't really care who's right or wrong here two of them or three of them i don't care who's right or wrong i'm not interested in justice i'm not interested in right and wrong i'm interested in quiet yes and so if y'all don't figure it out i'll just come up with some consequence for all of you so they would go figure it out. The way you raise a lawyer is you have two of them that come to you and you gotta be the judge, you judge them, right? And one says this and whoever argues better starts winning more and you train them to be lawyers. That's how you do it. Oh. So, so on the second two, I started deciding to teach them some communication. I'd say, you know, first understand and be understood and show them a little communication stuff. And all that did is intensify some of their arguing. And uh, it finally got to a point that I, in the south would say flung a rod that you know it's like tore up the engine i, I really got unhappy yeah and, uh, and i realized you know that what was going on they were terrible at arguing so i wasn't raising good lawyers and i decided if i'm going to raise lawyers I, I want good ones i don't want bad ones and so i looked at what was going on what do you see what do you want to see etc right and what i concluded was that all i need to do just like in the parenting book I need to set up a system or process that encourage what I want to see and discourage everything else. And once we set it up, pasted it on the refrigerator, explained it to them, had them say it back to me for the remaining year and a half, they never had a fight that we know of. Not wow. one instantly. So how do we do that? So it was a very simple process because I was the headmaster of the school and it worked like this. When y'all get in a conflict, we might warn you, but what's going to happen after we warn you, if you don't stop and go solve it yourselves, you're going to sit down and write an essay. And the essay is why he's wrong and I'm right. That's the essay. Then you're going to read it to the judge because we're going to make you into good lawyers instead of crummy ones. <laughs> and mom will be the judge or me. And whoever wins is going to get to go to Chewy's or somewhere and have tres leches dessert. And whoever loses is going to move rocks in the backyard from one place we don't want the rocks to another place we don't want the rocks so we'll have something to do next time <laughs> oh right? wow. yeah. so so that was that piece right i said now on the other side if you two go a month y'all we have four acres you can go anywhere around here and argue out there just not in the home right uh -huh. and but solve it and i said if you go a month with no conflicts i'll give you an entire day off of school wow and you can bank it. You can use it whenever you want to. And, and so they went away. And after about five months, I said, I can't do this anymore. Y'all have learned the lesson. <laughs> and they started getting a little yippy. And I went, okay, essays are still in place. The day's off or not. And yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That's good. I like so it's setting up a procedure or a process. And this is what we do with all this stuff, whether it's nutrition or time or math or reading or writing, all these things. Once you automate them and set them up with a sequence or a, really a process, yes. you can, you don't, nobody has to think anymore. You just know what to do. It doesn't have to be a thing. Right. It's just, yeah. It's automated. I love that because I think 
you know, a lot of parents will struggle with screen time and do I allow it today? Do I not allow it? Or nutrition, like you said, just do the work once up front and then you never have to think about it again. And your course is awesome for that. So I'll link a, I'll put a link below so you can check it out because it is really great. And, and remember, remind, you know, we want to remind everyone and, and remind your kids too everything's hard before it's easy. Yes, I say that all the time because but, of this. <laughs> But it's easy once you know how. Yes, that so, is like so a life motto of mine now. Yeah, so don't be afraid that it's hard up front a little bit. That's the heavy lifting, but once it's set up, whoo, easy breathing. Yes, you don't have to think about it. So yeah. let's talk about, you, t you talk about in this book, motivation, right? How it's yeah. not just one thing it's made up of here there deadline and path which i thought was really interesting so how can let's say homeschool moms apply this and stay motivated while homeschooling even when the the deadline and the path seems never ending you know even with the robinson curriculum there's no grades and we go year round so there's not even the whole get to the end of third grade or fourth grade so how can we apply that here there deadline path to stay motivated Right. So I call this the delta of motivation. So it's like a triangle. I just went over this today, actually. Yes. Um, so, so in this triangle, if you think about it that way, yeah, we have words here, there, deadlines at the bottom. So here's on, for me, the left side, there's on the right, deadline on the bottom, and then path in the middle. What that's about is there are four elements that go into motivation. And if you're missing one, you're going to have a motivational problem. Mm -hmm. And so here's how it works. There is kind of the vision we talked about. Where do you want to get to? What do you want? Um, here is where you are. So knowing that you are in a certain spot and want to get to one, let's just take, let's take reading. Okay. Uh, you want to get through uh, homeschool and your kids have read how many books? From the RC list or just know, in general? Hundreds. Uh, hundreds. Right? Yeah, so we don't think about it in terms of that. We How think many? in terms of the next book. Yes. So on a smaller level, uh, they're reading a book, let's say um, uh, Johnny Tremaine. Oh, I don't that's one they like. I don't know if that's in Robinson. I can't remember. Um, but it could be anything. Who cares? Uh, the Peppers, you know, right? So <laughs> yes. they're on, they're on, they're on page five and it's a 114 page book or something like that. So, so the goal is to finish the book. That's the there. And knowing where you are is the here. So you know you're on page 14. Now, the problem is we got two more things that go into the motivation, and that is uh, a deadline. So mm -hmm. when do we want to get the book read by? And, and that can be uh, um, by – hold on to that. Just the deadline could be – it could be at the end of the day, be end of the week, because it's going to depend on the reading speed. Now we're dealing with the plan. If somebody doesn't have a plan, they don't do very well. But but if you if you can have a child, if you know their reading speed roughly or how they should read, so if you give them an hour or thirty minutes and they should read, let's say fifteen pages, right? Two minutes right. a page. Let's say that's their speed. Then that's the aim. So you have like in thirty minutes, you need to read these pages if you get through a little early you can roam around you can run outside for a minute and come back or something like that but it's all of those so you have a path you're going to read a page you're going to read i used to read the way i would read in in high school is i could only do 10 pages at a time some of these books i was having to read in high school like the autobiography of marie curie 
you can't read that. There's no possible <laughs> way. There's no way if you don't take yeah. a bite. So, so a, a condensed goal, just like when you travel cross country, you know, if you're going on a long trip, you really just want to get to the next city, you know, or get through that thing or get to that halfway point. It's the same game. So with reading, the plan is you're going to read segments of 10 pages or for so many minutes, and you're trying to get to a place and then another place, another place. It's going to be the same with math, number of problems you're trying to do, uh, et cetera. Yes. If, it's, uh, if it's a matter of, uh, I remember the kids used to clean the, um, the, the homeschool room, game room kind of thing we had. And uh, I would go in there and I would get them to picture with me what this will look like if it's cleaned up. So what would this look like? And they start comparing, what does it look like now? This is out, that's out, sloppy. What would it look like if it's clean? They'd be put up, they'd be sitting up straight, you know, that kind of thing. I'd literally get them to talk that way. And then uh, the plan would be, uh, I would say, you know, the plan is to put the big things up first and then the next biggest and then small, you know? So, so we at least, if they got interrupted, we at least had some of the clutter out of the way. Yes. And, and I'd say, okay, y'all got 15 minutes and I'm going to come back to inspect. And so, boom, clock, boom. And they're all doing around. And I remember Laura saying, dad's come, dad's about to inspect. He's about to come. And so it was all a big thing. And I'd come inspect it and I'd point out, you know, this didn't match our vision. Look at that still that way. That's still that way. They'd tweak it and get it done. So, yes. so in everything that's going on, it's that kind of game. Even if you want to get out of college in four years, that's a deadline. Completing college is a certain picture, right? Yes. Um, where are you? Freshman 101, right? And what's the path? The path is to keep meeting with my advisor and doing the required courses and some electives until the point that they say, we don't want to take your money anymore. <laughs> and I really like how you're big on that. Visualize it right from the beginning. Feel it because then you'll act on it. It really is about action well you so, don't have a way to organize your actions if you don't have a picture of what you want yes you know it's just like you go to a restaurant this is why it takes so long <laughs> well you know you want to eat right yeah and then inside of that there's not much of a plan going on you right know, like maybe this maybe that what am i hungry for well if you're hungry you're hungry for everything you know at least my experience Right. So having a little bit of a strategy, that's why people that have favorites or next favorites or I want to try something different, they actually have a way to think about it. Jody has a very simple method. She looks to the right column and looks at prices <laughs> and gets down to something that she wouldn't hate if it was bad that she paid for it. That's, oh, that's very smart. So I do want to ask you with, you know, the motivation just, I know it's hard to say because every situation is different, but in general, why do you think homeschooling moms burn out and quit and then decide to send their kids to public school? What do you think is the reason why? Is it a motivation thing or a systems thing? What, what do you think? I love that question. And I've thought about it a lot. Yeah. And I, I think that the, the answer is they're trying to compete with the school system. Yeah. I so as long that. as you try to duplicate or replicate what the school system does, think about what you're having to do. You gotta have a big building with lots of activities uh, and you've got to be all the teachers. So you've got to be a specialist in all the subjects, 
whether it's the music teacher, whether it's the math teacher, whether it's the reading teacher, whether it's the social, who cares, whatever the subjects are, science and this. When you're trying to do that, you're, you're trying to be a human being that doesn't exist. Or if they do, they wouldn't be friends with most of us, you know? Right. So, so if you would quit trying to be the teacher and turn into the, you know, not CEO, but CLO, chief learning officer, that yes, your like goal that. is to cause them to learn, not to teach them. Uh, right. Then you can get out of the game. So uh, I've got a book about 80% finished that I'm going to finish. I will finish and have out this year uh, on homeschooling. And my working title about all this is From Mommy Taught to Self-Taught. Yes, that's so, great. So, yeah, if I can get moms and dads to quit trying to teach but do try to cause to learn how do you set it up so they're engaged in discovery for themselves they're making sense of it for themselves instead of you trying to tell them and run it through their brain right so i think that is the crux that's the starting place and then from there they don't have consistent systems they're just sporadic and so they're catching behind they aren't they aren't doing some things with their time of just putting a box there where the kids should read. And if they don't get their reading done, it'll be homework later. They just let them go and go and go or math go and go and go. And so you're creating things that don't allow a way for the kids to focus. And so that is a bad one, two punch, bad system. And then you're trying to be all things to the kids that a school would be. You can't do it. You can't compete that way. It's a different methodology at homeschool. You want to cause those kids to become their own teachers. That's the game. So how did your children do with that method, you know, self-taught going into college? Was it a very smooth transition for them? None of our children had any problem in college. Uh, they might have had a problem with a class or two uh, challenge, you know, depending on motivation and time and illness mono two of them got mono you know different things can interfere but no they would my favorite thing was for laura she would every time uh exams came up you know in uh final exams every semester she would always call us and said i just want to thank you one more time for homeschooling she said i'd say why she said well i just did my work every day like we did growing up and by the time exams came along, I just did some review and could take them. And all my friends were panicked, pulling all-nighters, trying to learn the whole course because they hadn't done any of the homework during the year. Wow. Yeah. So that's crazy. The other thing was common with several of them that said they, they discovered that the most amazing thing they learned from homeschooling is the ability to read and comprehend. Wow. Because they'd be crazy. in class and they'd have friends say, how did you get all that when there's discussions? How did you understand that? How do you do that? And it's all they were doing is reading. They were just comprehending. And, and you so, have a great course on reading comprehension too. I just did a video on this. How, your acronym, which again, is so easy to remember, play the pieces, links, and action. So I'm assuming you went through that with your children? Yeah, some version. You know, I didn't label it when I finally put the course together and realize what I'd been teaching them. It's, I really think that's the best course I've got, honestly. Yes, I think it is if fantastic. People, if people would take that reading comprehension course uh, and really practice the process I take them through, um, their kids will be 
little geniuses at reading because what it's designed to do is wire your brain to just naturally read. Yes. Instead of having to think about it. It's so, even helpful for me <laughs> in the age of well, distraction, I, you know. Isn't, shouldn't everything be helpful for yes. all of us? Yes. You know? exactly. I mean, most of the problems we have as adults with learning or communication or memory or writing or anything, we learned as children. So the answers of how you would teach a child are going to be the actual right answers for how we help an adult actually learn it. It's now, all the same. I do have a little side question for you on the whole college issue. Okay. Do you think college is different now than when your children were going in? I mean, and it's kind of like a little controversial question. You know, there's so much, you know, propaganda, social engineering, all of it. Would you feel comfortable sending your daughters off to college today, the world how it is today? Well, my kids were in college not that long ago. The oldest is 32, so it's just 10 years ago. Uh, all of them, uh, most of them would say college was a, College was a waste of time. I didn't do blah, 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 blah. And I, then I point out, but you wouldn't have the job you have without it. And, okay. But they, uh, <laughs> they all went to, um, the four boys went to the University of Texas, which is a bastion of, they call it down here, they call it the University of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, <laughs> wow. It's a, it's a bastion of liberalism and the crazies. You know, the motto for the city is keep Austin weird. And, and your children uh, went through it, keeping their faith intact and everything. They kept their one of them. I one of them uh, Holmes. I'd told that I would buy him. He'd switched. He'd gotten an uh, advanced program down there. He transferred from North Texas to UT. It's after his freshman year. Uh, he didn't get accepted directly. He got an honors program in another school, and then he could transfer. And uh, he kept doing better and better and better. And he got married. And had another year of school left, like three of them did that, had another year of school left and had the grades and had a job already lined up. And I was sitting there going, that boy is not going to be motivated. So I told wow. him, I said, if you make straight A's these last two semesters, I'll buy you a school ring, which I didn't do for any of the other kids. Um, and um, he said, okay, he made straight A's. And then when we got through, I said, all right, pick out the ring. He said, I don't want a ring. Said, I, I don't, I don't respect this. I don't respect this school enough to wear its ring. Wow. Now he may have softened a little bit uh, yes. from that, but you know, all the kids learn how to think for themselves, analyze things. One of the things we taught all the kids in our, in Blaine, the relationship book is you'll never be like the people you don't hang around. If you don't hang around drug dealers, you won't be like them. If you don't hang around smart people, don't worry, you won't be like them. If you don't hang around spiritual people, don't worry, you won't be spiritual. That's how it goes. Yes. And so they were very particular about who they connected with as friends. So they were picky about their friends. And then in college, we had them simply uh, focused on do your homework. If you'll do your homework every day, you'll want to show up in class and show off. And you'll be ready for finals. So the whole trick is doing the homework. It's not about anything else. And uh, they, and, and the way we look at it, God's kindness, were equipped with uh, character and skills. And then they worked their way through school. And they all pretty much paid for their school. We couldn't wow. do it. So we came up with a game plan for that. We, you know, we helped some. But um, that's, uh, you know, that's in our mind what we were aiming for. And, and all of them, they, they would all say Brooks had 
no business going to college because he didn't need it, but he made, you know, virtually straight A's and a double, double major in economics and math finished in three years instead of four. Wow. And, uh, um, got out and is doing something he probably could have done anyway, uh, without it and programming some business modeling stuff he does. But, you know, all of them look back and say, oh, it was probably worth the experience. And I did, you know, I got exposed to different ideas and they would debate and argue them. Sometimes they call me and, you know, we would, one day they called me about a particular issue and I was giving all the arguments. I was animated and I realized, oh no, I had to go, I was in the church and I had to go from office to office telling all the staff, I wasn't mad. It was just <laughs> a debate about campus. Nobody was in trouble. You know, I don't need rumors going out there that lives. You know, and I do appreciate your testimony and your perspective because, you know, as a Christian, looking at the world out there, it can look a little scary and, and, you know, your children putting them through something like that. But, you know, you have a great testimony about it. And I also appreciate how, you know, you don't shy away from certain books or movies. You talk about how you'd go see the movie and then you talk about it afterwards and how it, what, what you like, what you don't like about it, how it compares to your faith. So, you, you have this approach where you don't have to just completely shy away from everything, cut everything off. You find value when kind of enjoying some things as a family and then talking about them. You think that's a better yeah, approach. What, and, and what we wanted, Karen, more than anything, was just truth. Yes. You know, I, I have a phrase that, you know, very little, there's, I don't put a lot of Christianity or religious stuff in our programs uh, for a variety of reasons who we're trying to reach right. to, and that's just not what they're about. But, but, you know, I tell people I'm very willing to engage in a conversation about the resurrection. So my conviction, I'm having a doctorate in applied theology. So I thought about this a little bit. But, you know, if somebody proved to me that the resurrection didn't happen, I'd be glad to know. Why would I want to spend my life believing a lie, right? So mm -hmm. I'm willing to enter that conversation. However, you better bring your A game because I actually have thought about this a little bit. <laughs> and I'm quite convinced about the whole thing, Right. right. Yes. So, but, but I'm not, yeah, we don't want the kids to be afraid of interacting with ideas. It's not like, you know, it's not like being a fish in an aquarium and you get ick on you and it grows a disease. My goodness, you could think. Uh, you can find others that can help you think about it. And what people tend to do is they either overprotect their kids or don't teach them how to really analyze and understand stuff and think for themselves. So you're trying to you can isolate them or they'll react against it and just go the other direction, you know? And honestly, our kids are independent and they're grown and it's very irritating because they, <laughs> they don't ask me for anything. It's just crazy. Uh, right? that's, that's the dream, right? <laughs> well, it is. And I finally got to a place of apologizing to them for some of my frustrations that I express and, I realized one of my mistakes is I was trying to be proud of them. And so I have repented of that. I've told them all, I don't want to be proud of them because that means I could not be proud. And then that turns into manipulation and control and hints and whatever. Yes. So what I, what I replaced it with is I'm happy for them. So the youngest just bought a house in Austin, Texas, he and his wife, 23 years old. Moving wow. They gave us the video tour because we're all isolated. And uh, I said, I'm not proud of you, but I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs>
I like that. That's really good. Yeah, it was a painful lesson. <laughs> so one last question I had about the roads of honesty. And I, I was wondering if this was a little bit of reverse psychology that you had. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're already over. Okay, last question. We're good. You may just need to break this up into two. Yes, I'll make some clips. So you talk about the roads of honesty, which is I will do it, I may do it, or I will not do it as part of your kind of to-do list, breaking it up in that way and being honest with yourself, right? And I wonder too, that really is a little bit of reverse psychology because once I think, well, I just will not do it. Then I was like, well, no, I do, I will do it. You know, So you kind of go from that change of subconsciously knowing you don't want to do it, but then once you say it out loud or you write it down, you want you want it more yeah um, so so let me let me explain it for the everybody listening okay or watching yeah so if you take a three by five and, and make two lines you know it put it into thirds so you have three columns so one column will be will do one will be may do and one will be won't do and it's for the day you're trying to sort out you feel overwhelmed Yes. So you write everything in the maybe it all starts in the maybe column you just write them all down what you want to do in the maybe because it's a maybe and then you start asking a simple question you do this you look at it and said uh am i going to do this and if you say yes i will do it then you ask really <laughs> and you go yes you go really and commonly when i do this people they go no i'm not going to do that today well that's good to know because now your energy's freed up if you're just not going to get to it today be honest about it Yes. If in reverse psychology, you say, no, I've let that go long enough. I will do it because human beings know what they will and won't do. Right. Yes. They just know it. You know, will you feed your kids tonight? Yes. Okay. Will you edit this and get it up today? No. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> you seem to know. Very yes. nice. And you don't have to pretend by making this massive list that overwhelms you that you can't possibly get to with no boundary and no focus, this limitless, uh, never ending infinity agenda of this massive list that'll exhaust you, you can just start being honest about, am I going to do this or not? And so when you do that, your list will narrow down. Some things will stay maybe, many things will go to will not. And then the top ones that you will do that day will be the things you can focus on. Yes. So I wanted to ask you, applying that to homeschooling moms, right? let's maybe it feels like we have another category like i really wanted to do it but it just didn't happen like the kids got sick one of the kids got sick or you, your errands ran long or the laundry didn't get put away you know we have just a typical mom guilt about it but so do you think it's a matter of redesigning the system or understanding that some days it is what it is chalk it up and just try again the next day or realize that the caseload is too much you have to try to find things to take off the list yeah, we're all terrible at being aware of what we're doing with time. Uh, so, so I, I, one of the things I like to do uh, recently is work in 10 minute segments. Mm -hmm. And I always overestimate what I can do in 10 minutes. It focuses <laughs> me a lot, but I'm just terrible at guessing. So, so on, on this issue, um, the, the real trick is you might do this uh, will do list, will do, may do, won't do. Uh, in the morning but the thing is you might need to revisit it at noon or in the afternoon because you actually can change your mind it's okay being a human being 
Yes. And, and having a sense, I will do it today. And, and it's not, I'm committing. I'm not asking you to commit. I'm asking you to be honest. Will you or not? Will you not? You know? Yes. And so if things happen, a crisis happens, you know, a neighbor down the street passed away, the dog broke out, you know, the uh, hot water heater blew up, I, you know, things happen. Well, you can revisit your list and adjust it, right? Yes. So that's, it's usually a problem of not what your commitment or your view was in the morning, but there were things that came in that just overrode it. I mean, quite frankly, I've wanted to be out of the house a lot more than I've been, but they've got this little semi against the law to go out now with the coronavirus, you know, right. so that, that sort of cramps my style way it goes. Yes. So be, it's okay to be a little flexible. I, I like the idea of that revisiting it like after lunch and then being honest again with yourself. It's not always a matter of motivation or willpower. It's just like right. you said, being I, honest with yourself. Yeah. If you're not going to do anything but lay around and watch Netflix and eat, <laughs> eat bonbons, is that a thing still? Um, I don't think so. Then admit it. You're a lot better off saying, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a big fat slob and I'm going to lay on the couch and I'm just going to eat bonbons and the kids can do whatever they want to because that's what I'm doing. Well, praise the Lord and hallelujah. You've at least been honest. That's something we can work with. Yes. You know? And I like your idea of buffer days. And that is something, you know, I didn't know I already do like the first of the month, cleaning out the computer and organizing the files and just little things that can slow you as time goes on, as these things keep building up. It's okay to just have buffer days, right? Yeah. It's, uh, and I stole that from, uh, I quote him, I think Dan Sullivan. So I don't get credit for it, but it is, you know, a cleanup day, a buffer day where you're not doing your most intense work, but it's an opportunity to catch up. I bet that would be kind of a fun thing to do occasionally with homeschool uh, yes. once a month or every other week. Just have a day that we need to do some catching up, whether it's recording stuff or some finishing up some things. I don't, I don't know, but it, it might be something useful. Yes, I think it's very useful. Um, okay, so those are the questions I had. And again, if the two books that we're recommending people to read, The Absolute Quickest Way to Help Your Child Change and The One Su Success Habit. But you also have written, and I really like this, the lessons that you have here. This is a really powerful book too, about life and Uganda, Insights from a Short-Term Pilgrim. This is from your missionary trip, correct? Yeah. And then Glenn. Um, this one's a fictional book, right? This one's next that I'm going to read, like a your more creative book, would you say? <laughs> it was, it's a lot of fun. Most people, when they read it, read it twice, especially teenagers, because yes. they want to get through the story. I didn't give any off ramps. It's not organized by chapters. It's organized in a different way. So it's hard to stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's sort of organized by chapters. It has them in there, but it's not, you just have to read it. But the, uh, you know, the nature of it is you want to get through the story, but then you want to go back. There's a lot in there all about communication and relationships. So you want to go back and pay attention to these lessons uh, yeah. that deal with everything from, you know, marriage and dating and courting, all these things that we, uh, you know, we hear about. So, yeah. So That's it was a, great a lot book. of fun. And these are all available on Amazon, correct? They are. Yes. And could you just tell us a little bit about more where people can find you, your websites and your YouTube channel handle names? Yeah. The nice thing is just if you Google my name, I'm about the only one. If you Google Fred Ray Libran, I'm the only one in the world. 
on, on online. <laughs> yes, on the internet. <laughs> so that makes it, that makes it easy. Um, yeah, so independenthomeschool.com, uh, that can get you everywhere. So that's our main blog and our main uh, site, and there's free stuff there, et cetera. The other is, uh, if you did the writing course, Live Brown, and just Googled it, you'd find it, but it's at advanced-writing-resources.com. So advancedwritingresources.com with dashes and a lot of information uh, in there. So the, from the homeschooling kind of uh, uh, ministry contribution side, that's where we are. Yes. And there's a YouTube channel. That's probably one of the better things. Just look up uh, independent homeschool. It's the same, same thing. And the courses, once you buy one, you have them forever, right? It's a lifetime thing. Yeah, yeah, we have a the basically when you buy the course, you get it for life, even if your computer blows up or whatever else. So with the courses <laughs> available, we only have three. I'll probably make that reading comprehension available too. But after that, after you get a course, we have some options where you can access the whole library. They're like 13 courses technically. Um, and so they're 60 hours of training and more being added, you know, it's like too much. But it's really quite cool on running your emotions and memory and reading comprehension, all these different things. So once you get a course, you're kind of in the family and then we give you kind of a family deal. That's the way the game works. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Do you have any final words that you'd like to share with us here? Yeah. The, the, the one thing I would stress is um, I would, I'd like to invite people to take on a philosophy um, of, no failure. And so here's how you do it. You, you start thinking that you don't fail. You only do one of two things. You either win or you learn. Okay. So everything that happens, you're either winning or you're learning. It's not about failure. Failure can only be defined as quitting. That's the only way you could define failure because otherwise you're just in the process. Not everybody wins every football game or tennis match or prize award or whatever. I'm sorry. That's not how it works. So you're either winning or you're learning. And uh, if you take that posture, you don't quit. It's just that getting there is in the future and it'll happen. And I think that perseverance, endurance of thinking that way is probably one of the more powerful things to get us to where we want to get to. Yes. Thank you. And just thank you for the impact that you've had in my life and in homeschooling. And thank you for being the blessing that you are, you and your wife, Jody, to the homeschooling community and all the content that you really do give out for free. So I encourage everybody to go check it out. I will leave all the links in the description below. Thank you so much for being here today. It was a blast. And thank you for all your amazing hard work. Just keep at it. There's a lot of folks that they just need a little more insight and they can get to a new place. Yes, and maybe we can let people know here, we can give a little teaser of a podcast that will be coming soon, Homeschooling Made Easy, where we're kind of do this and talk about some of the latest homeschooling news and articles. So look for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. That'll be fun. Maybe we can get into a debate. Maybe find something <laughs> to disagree about. So I can sure. learn. <laughs> yeah, I've studied, but yes, I'm ready to be challenged. Let's do it. That'll be fun. All right. All right. Thank you so much. I will talk to you later. Bye. Bless you. Bye-bye.